This week we begin a new sermon series in the New Testament book of Acts of the Apostles. We turn from what has been accomplished in Jesus Christ to what it means for us, what it demands of us, and what it invites us to do and participate in. This is the beginning of the mobilization of the people of God. I encourage you to listen now for God's word for you from the book of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what are you doing to stay healthy these days? I know it's not easy to adjust or to find ways of doing things that we haven't done before in the same way, to try and stay physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy. So I've started a new regimen myself at home. Uh, Not only are Lynn and I, my wife and I, starting to walk more together in the neighborhood, but I've begun riding a bike every other day for about 10 miles for each workout. It gets my cardio going, my heart and lungs up, and I know there's some risks with riding bikes at this time of the season. I mean, it's uh, it's always some danger involved, but in my case, I think the benefits far outweigh the risks. Everybody in my family knows that if dad doesn't get some of those endorphins working for him, he's really difficult to live with. So bike riding for me is a way of assisting my wife in her mental and relational health as well. Each day I ride, I see a sign It's at the corner of San Gabriel and Duarte, Duarte, which is right near Howie's in town here. And there's a poster on the bus stop there of Malala Yousafzai, a Pakistani young woman who is known for her human rights activism. And the poster simply reads, girls should learn history and make it. Now, you probably know the story of Malala. She was shot on her way to school by the Taliban several years ago. Her family was dedicated to education in Pakistan, and under the Taliban rule, when she was 11 or 12 years old, she wrote under a pseudonym about the experience of living under Taliban rule for the BBC. It led to interviews and a documentary about her life following that and she rose to some prominence 
And so as a symbol, the Taliban shot her and other children when she was about the age of 15 years old to silence her. The attempt on her life led to the condemnation of the Taliban the world over. And she became an ardent and outspoken advocate for human rights and for education, especially education for girls. She won the Nobel Prize in 2014. Girls should learn history and make it. You never know when you might find some traction in life. We can spin our wheels for a long time and then we find a gear sometimes that we didn't even know existed. Circumstances that are awful in life sometimes plant seeds and new beginnings. It happens all the time in California in our canyon wildfires. It happens even in the midst and through the tragic events of our lives. These days we find ourselves between, between what has been and what will be. We know that the diagnosis has occurred, but we don't yet know the treatment plan. We know that the economy has taken a big hit, but we don't yet know what the results will be. We know some people close to us are likely to get coronavirus, and some may even die, but we don't know who they will be. We know that Easter has come and gone, but we don't know when we'll be able to gather again together physically for worship again. We just find ourselves now in a time between, between Easter and Pentecost, between what has been and what will be, between having some confidence in life and having anxiety about it all. Malala found her own sense of agency, some confidence in her own abilities in the midst of the worst of times. Maybe we also can find our own sense of agency and a motivation in the midst of these times in which we find ourselves. Three years ago on Easter, I was preaching to a full sanctuary here with glorious choral music accompanied by brass and percussions. It was a day of grandeur. It was also a day of expectancy. My wife, Lynn, was not in the sanctuary on that occasion. She was back in North Carolina waiting for the arrival of our fourth grandchild, our first granddaughter, Madison. Whether coincidentally or providentially, all three of our grandsons prior to that had been born on a Sunday. So I was absolutely convinced that Madison was going to make her debut on Easter Sunday. I preached with my smartphone right there on the podium that day. And thankfully, Madison waited until the day after Easter so that I could fly and be there for the festivities. That Easter was a time between between pregnancy and delivery, between our hopes and the realization of those hopes. We all know what it is to wait and pray. I suspect many of us are doing much more of that waiting and praying now than we can ever remember. 
Anyone who's ever waited for the arrival of a child, the birth of a child, knows what it is to wait and pray. The time between is often pregnant with possibilities and anxieties. As the old Christmas hymn describes it, it's a time filled with the hopes and fears of all the years. But time between doesn't remain that way forever. There comes a time when we no longer wait and pray. We're rather compelled and even propelled to act. Which brings me to our text today. Luke tells the story of the ascension of Jesus twice. Was it on Easter evening as it is recorded in Luke chapter 24? Or was it 40 days later, as it's described in this text in Acts chapter 1? Many explanations by scholars have been suggested, including just sort of carelessness or forgetfulness on the part of the author. According to one commentator, though, quote, Luke was an artist, not a newspaper reporter. The contradictions are a clue to the author's intentions. In the Gospel of Luke, the ascension is a conclusion. It's a dramatic finale to Jesus' earthly ministry. But in Acts 1, the ascension is the beginning presupposition on which the church is based. The end becomes the beginning as the story continues, end quote. That's according to Will Williman, Methodist bishop. I like that explanation. The end is the beginning of the church. Jesus is no longer with his followers in the same way. After 40 days, he disappears into the clouds in, the, in this account. And the scene of the disciples standing there looking up at, heaven, at the heavens, waiting for the return of Jesus, mouths wide open, gawking, wondering. It's a powerful, it's even a comical image Immobilized by their confusion and sense of loss, gazing in the, into the clouds, waiting for something to happen, dazed by the events they've experienced, the disciples look very similar then to the way disciples look today. We're stunned. We don't quite know what to do. We watch our television and we monitor the news sources, looking for answers, waiting for permission to go outside or to go back to work. We're looking for direction. Well, maybe the end is the beginning. The end of what has been is always a new beginning for what will be. The message of this text in Acts of the Apostles, disciples, should learn history, and disciples should make it. So finally, God intervenes in the story, and these two angelic figures appear to ask them why they're standing there looking up. And pulled back to reality, they receive the assurance that Jesus will return the same way he departed and with no less impressive an entrance. They're encouraged not to waste any more time speculating about times and seasons, but to begin to pray and to worship 
and to prepare for their time of service. They were no longer simply bystanders watching as Jesus accomplished the mission. They are now to become increasingly active agents in that mission. And they'll be empowered by God to continue the ministry of Jesus. Standing there looking for Jesus, their Lord, instead, what they received was the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus would be present with them, but in a different way. Through the word of God read and proclaimed, in the sacraments, in prayer, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, The work of Jesus was not yet finished. The work of his followers was just about to begin. It was a time for the church to prepare, to get ready, and to get busy. From dazed and confused, the followers of Jesus become decisive and determined. From passive recipients of the ministry of Jesus, the disciples become active agents of that ministry. One of the most compelling arguments, really, for the resurrection of Jesus is simply the sacrificial undertakings of the early church in the first century. I mean, why would anyone follow this Lord even to their own death if they knew all of this was somehow a lie or a hoax? Something happened to transform them. To transform them from the cowering and denying and even betraying followers at the crucifixion into these bold and daring disciples who risk everything to be part of the liberation of the world that Jesus himself began. Since the first century and since the ascension of Jesus, Disciples of all kinds, all shapes, all colors, all genders, all ages, all abilities have been moved from passivity to activity, from limited visions of their own place in God's coming kingdom to enormous contributions that have been made in enormous efforts for the sake of Christ. The angelic witness redirected the disciples from speculation and dazed confusion to preparation for what God was about to do through them. Now, if a 15-year-old can become an activist for human rights and the education of all children and then a Nobel Peace Prize recipient in the process, what might come of this tragedy the COVID-19 pandemic. Girls should learn history and make it. The disciples should know history and make it too. What kind of history are we prepared to make from the devastating changes and the reductions we've experienced in our lives? I know there are those who believe that the church throughout the world is in this period of decline and that the mainline denominations have had their day. I know that there are lots of problems in the world that seem overwhelming and lots of problems in our lives that we haven't been able to overcome. 
Like the early disciples, we can easily become dazed and confused and passive in the face of all that is beyond our understanding, all that's beyond our ability to control. But I can't help feeling like God is still up to something, up to something in this world and still using the church to make a difference. And I can't escape the idea that we're supposed to be a part of it somehow. And that in this in-between existence that we're in, between Easter and Pentecost, between the first and the second coming of Jesus, between a stay-at-home order and a get-back-to-normal order, we're supposed to be part of what God is doing. We in the church are meant to witness to the truth and to tell the story in such a way that things begin to happen. As heirs of the apostolic witness, our charge and our task is to tell the story of Jesus in such a way that those who listen might say to themselves, yes, this is my story and I never knew it. This is the world to which I belong. This is my inheritance, though I've never lived there. You see, the turning point has occurred in Christ, but it doesn't leave us passive, simply waiting for the end to come, for the final outcome in comfort and ease. When Christ calls, he calls us to become part of the change we hope for. This is not the time for speculation about the future of the church or predictions about what's going to happen either economically or medically. We either make history or we are history. Now's the time to get ready. Waiting and praying and planning for the future together. Christian faith puts us in life with the courage of our convictions as change agents for the kingdom of God. Watching Jesus ascend into the clouds in glory isn't the end of the story. It's a new beginning and the story continues through us. Last week in an article in the New York Times, the Dominican theologian Father Thomas Joseph White was quoted by Ross Dothat. Ross writes, quote, there's a religious duty to interpret the present moment, not just seek to endure it or escape, end quote. And then he quotes Father White, who writes, quote, What does it mean that God has permitted or willed temporary conditions in which our elite lifestyle of international travel is grounded? Our consumption is cut to a minimum. Our days are occupied with basic responsibilities towards our families and immediate communities. Our resources and economic hopes are reduced and we are made more dependent upon one another. We might think none of this tells us anything about ourselves or about God's compassion and justice. But if we simply seek to pass through all this in a hasty expectation of a return to normal, 
And perhaps we're missing the fundamental point of the exercise. End quote. Pay attention to the signs and interpret the present moment in the light of the story of God's people. Don't be too hasty to return to normal. We have a duty to interpret this present moment and not just endure it or escape it. We're not meant to stand there stunned and dazed staring into the clouds. We're meant to make history And make no mistake, this is a historic moment. Your children, your grandchildren are watching you to know how to act in this moment. So what signs is God presenting before you? What are you seeing differently these days? What is God telling you to do or to be or to become for the sake of the way things should be and still can be by God's grace. Well, may God empower us to be witnesses together, telling and retelling the story that makes things happen in our lives and in the lives of others. The time of stunned, dazed silence is coming to an end. Let's get to work. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.